Happy New Year's, y'all. Welcome to January 2020's Dante's Old South. My name is Clifford Brooks, and I'm your host this evening. In tonight's show, it's all about music and musicians. We have two troubadours on deck, but before we jump in, please think about donating love and money to Autism Speaks. As always, I want to thank So Far Sounds of Atlanta for the music you'll hear between our guests. But before we bring on the first up to bat, let's hear Haunt Me by Red and Hollow. Some have seen your 
and I watched you drown. Arms me, I know where you are. I can feel you hiding in the dark. Fear is, I stand on my mark. Shaking sun and the garden. Show your face, my darling. Now, let's sit down and talk to Mr. Jay Lind. How are you, boss? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Clipper? I cannot complain. I mean, I could, but why? So, before we get into these questions, before we get this interview underway, I'd like you to tell us about this first song you're going to play and where it came from. Yeah, so I thought I'd start with the song called The Astronaut. It was a song I wrote. Um, I'm based in Nashville now. It was one of the first songs I wrote there. Uh, it's the story of an astronaut, and so I, I hope you... Listen up and uh, and see what happens. Okay. Born on a farm, but he'd heard of far places. Boy loved his home, but he knew all the faces. He needed to leave, but his mother had begged him to stay. He drummed till his dreams made his home seem foreign. With sweat on his brow, but nothing else for him. Broke his mom's heart when he told her he must go today. He gathered the gold for his work in the ground. He bought the first seat on the last Greyhound. He drove to the glow of the small town and started to fade. But through his window, he could still see the stars. Somehow they seemed just a little less far. So he slept like a babe as he dreamed of a place far away. Among the stars, among the stars, may we never forget who we are. Among the stars, among the stars, among the stars. He wandered the city, facing the crowd. The boy would look up as the people looked down. Stars can be harder to see over neon signs. He jumped through their hoops, unaware of the danger. The people cried, King, but the mirror mocked stranger. Climbing each ladder, he only got sadder to find. The life at the top could be lonely and cruel. Toys and the noise hid the stars from view. So, in a moment of rage, he threw off his cage and took flight. He settled out west on the edge of the town, where the stars could be seen through the thickest clouds. And in a moonlit trance, he would dance in a natural light. 
among the stars, among the stars. May we never forget who we are. Among the stars, among the stars, among the stars. passed by and the boy grew old silent and cold from the violence he'd known he'd weep as the people would bleed over nickels and dimes and they kill over gods they kill over colors they kill all their neighbors and then kill each other broke his old heart to depart but he knew it was time Gathered the change from his pockets and boots. He traded his name for a rocket and suit. He flew for a year for he peered at the small earth from space. But all he could see was a pale blue dot where the kings had been crowned and the wars had been fought. So he threw up his hands and he wept till he wasted away. Among the stars, among the stars, may we never forget who we are. Among the stars, 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 may we never forget who we are. Among the stars, among the stars. Among the stars. God almighty, Jay Lynn. Uh, that, uh, that just happened. That just happened in the studio, man. Uh, Cheers. So, man, the astronaut, tell me about the song. Yeah, so um, I had written it. I mentioned it was one of my first times in Nashville. And um, it was right around the time there was another big shooting in the news. And around the same time, I had heard this story about, um, well, kind of by Carl Sagan, who had, who was a NASA, many, I don't know actually exactly what he did, but he had some great stories. Yes. And one of his stories, uh, so NASA had sent out this, this um, space thing. Right. And it was at the edge of the solar system. And right before it left the solar system, Carl Sagan being Carl Sagan, uh, told NASA, he said, you should have it turn around and take just a few, few pictures before it leaves. And so it did. And they sent back these pictures. And um, if you if you Google, if you're listening, if you Google, unless you're driving, if you Google uh, pale blue dot, um, it's a pretty stunning image. And, and that's how I heard, um, that's how I found out about this story. And it's just, it's an all black canvas. And in, in there's just a tiny little pale blue dot and it's caught in this kind of beam of light. And uh, it turns out that was the earth. And it just so happened in the shot that it was caught in this light. Right. And Carl Sagan kind of used that as a talking point for many years. Uh, and so I was thinking about, about it in the context of, um, of of what was happening, kind of politically and socially, and yeah. Um, from there came the astronaut, and I also just, I mean, it's a it's a bucket list item of mine. I'd love to see the Earth from space, all in you know one you know what we have on all of our iPhones, right? That background, I'd love to see that in the flesh. But 
I guess it's up to SpaceX. So. Or Elon Musk. Yeah. yeah I think you. we're close, bro. Yeah. I'll get yeah. you on that short list. Honestly, I got seeing you. Elon Musk would be about the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, and, and what I enjoyed about your song is that you, you, you hit the nail on the head with the, the, how scary it is right now, you know, politically. But, uh, and before you played it, before you got on the show, you were like, can I play a downer song? And I, I, it, I don't feel it's a downer song, and, and I appreciate the, um, the, the, the clarity with which you kind of address this unease that's in society, but you don't beat us in the face with it. I think that's what makes people disconnect from what's considered like political songs to political poetry because it comes so heavy-handed sometimes. Uh, do, you, do you have fun when you write songs kind of lacing that, that, that real meaning with the, the lighter tones that you play? I mean, is it, is it, what's your process like? Yeah, I think for me, uh, with, with writing, it's, it's always been about the concept. And so I, I don't really get a hook or a, a word so much as I get like this concept. And for right. this song, it was I knew I wanted to write about, you know, looking at the earth from space. And then the song kind of takes shape around whatever that concept is. Because I think ultimately I, every song I've written that hasn't started with a concept, I've just got really sick of playing it. Right. Those hooks and little like fun things kind of pass. But if it's, if it's a story I really like, and um, stories for me have always been the most compelling medium. You know, like you can tell me in a you know philosopher's words uh, a short little proverb that's going to change my life or i can watch a two-hour movie or read a 400-page novel right it says the exact same message but right. it develops characters in the narrative and that's going to hit me so much harder so in my songs i really focus on the story because that's what i respond to now <clears throat> i know that a lot of your songs and stories come from hospice too you know again the, the experiences that you drew and the experiences that you shared there how did you get involved in that world? Yeah, so I've been involved in hospice mainly as just a volunteer for about four and a half years. And so I got first got involved in college. My grandma had been on hospice. My uh, I had had a friend who was on hospice, and both of them had pretty good uh, experiences in it, and hospice being end-of-life care. So right. when, when they're no longer seeking treatment for disease, just um, uh, one of the organizations I was with, their slogan was adding uh, life to days when days can't be added to life. Which I thought was a that's pretty phenomenal. Good yeah, yeah, <laughs> good that's branding, a tattoo right sure. there, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I got involved mainly because of them and uh, the relationships I developed in hospice. My role's mainly been just sitting with people for a couple hours a week, and so I kind of hear their story. I listen a lot, and then some. Only recently, music has come into it in terms of me bringing my guitar, and it was actually with uh, certain dementia units that they once some of the volunteer programs found out I played music. They said, "Hey, you should play some." some old covers because people know that. And sure enough, um, you know, people who didn't know their kids' names, when I'd play an old Johnny Cash song, they'd be able to sing the whole chorus. Or right. Something. So um, that's been my involvement in hospice. And only in the past, I've been doing about four and a half years, but the past few years, that's really um, come into my songwriting. I don't want to say against my will, but just <laughs> organically. You know, I just a, when uh, Aggressive inspiration. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, but when, when, you know, with writing, a lot of it, comes from emotional experiences, it makes sense, I guess, that if you're in that environment, that that's going to be an emotional part of your week in some way. And yeah. so it started coming to my songs, and that's where I got this idea of doing a whole record inspired by stories from hospice, and that's what I've been uh, writing and recording and touring the last uh, year. Now, that's your new album, what mm -hmm. you're talking about. That's my new Tell album. us more about that album, man. Yeah, so uh, it's called For What It's Worth. It came out in October of 2019. Uh, it's it's a concept album and it's it's none of the I never say the word hospice but it's a hospice album right and uh, it's not just sad songs there's a couple but uh, it's kind of all over the place emotionally I think uh, 
if I were to sum it up in one word, it's, it's acceptance and the idea of, of accepting things as they are. Yeah. And uh, there's a physician, Kubler-Ross, who had written a really famous book on death and dying. And she identifies five stages, and we sometimes call them five stages of grief. Right. But they're uh, denial, uh, out of order. Denial, anger, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. And acceptance, she thought, if people can achieve acceptance, they can have a good death. Right. And so I kind of used that as a launching point for songwriting. And all these songs I was writing, it wasn't intentional at first, but when I tried to look over them, I said, oh, all these songs are kind of saying the same thing. And that became the record. Now, I love this question, and that is, uh, what do you think your role as an artist is? Well, I mean, your responsibility to your listeners, uh, the, the, the truth and what your songs are about and how you write them. What do you think your responsibility is? I think, I think well, in particular as a, a folk artist, I think my responsibility is to be honest about what I see and in that honesty also to... Um, I guess point out things in what I see that some people might not see, and right. and others do that to me all the time. I mean, yeah. I'm no no preacher, um, right? But but seeing you know in something simple and kind of mundane, trying to bring some unique experience or story out of that. Who were some of the folks that you listened to growing up and now that inspired you? Yeah, uh, growing up, I mean, my, my dad raised me on a, a lot of Bob Dylan and Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to Chris Christopherson on the way over, so I definitely have they they have a big part of my heart. I think currently uh, the band Dawes, they're a folk band out of Laurel Canyon. Yeah. Love Dawes. Uh, Leonard Cohen just put out a new record, even though he's been dead. dead. <laughs> it's amazing how they do that, <laughs> yeah. man. From beyond amazing. the grave, it's amazing. That's, I think <laughs> that's one of my favorites by him. So well, well done. Um, uh, also, like I've always liked the the Sonic soundscapes of like alt rock bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the Killers and Coldplay is what I was really into in high school and I still I still listen to everything they put out. Yeah. yeah. It, it's when you talk about again like it, I love how again people say like my my love my my music tastes are all over the place. You know, my, my well, the books I like are all over the place. And I think to tell good stories, you you've got to kind of have that all over the place mentality, you know, or you'll miss something, you know. Now, of all the things that you observed and wrote songs about in your new album, is there a particular song that stands out, stands out to you? Yeah, you know, I think uh, the song that I ultimately named the album after, for what it's worth, it was one of these songs that kind of fell out all at once. And it was very much, I mean, like the song I just played, it's just a story song. And mm-hmm. for me, it was, I had spent uh, just a summer with a, a hospice in uh, northern India. And it, this hospice was... Most, most of my hospice experiences in the States, mainly New Jersey, Nashville, Arizona, have been with elderly mm. um, people because they tend to be in hospice more. Right. Uh, in this experience, it was uh, a cancer NGO, and the throat and neck cancer were especially prevalent. So there were just a lot more young people than I had seen at all in, in, uh, in hospices here in the States. So that was kind of an eye-opening experience, and there, there were a couple in particular in particular that really stuck with me. And uh, I remember I was trying to process them and this kind of this whole storyline fell out of that processing. Well, just looking over my journal entries at that time, and it's a song about this tiger and kind of like the astronaut song, it's not it's not just a tiger, there's, there's more to it. But I think that's, it's really about acceptance in its raw, crude form. Now, what I wanted, the last question I have for you is, 
what's next? Like, where are you going to be, what you're doing, and, and how can we as listeners support you? Yeah, I think um, – so I've been doing shows um, the last year just kind of at a, a high volume of house shows. That's yeah. my main thing. And yeah. So far, Sounds has been really supportive of it yeah. too, which has been great. Thanks, Louie, for getting me up here. I think the best way to support though is just listen to my music on streaming and uh, Jalen Music is where you can find me on all the socials and uh, I also have a Patreon so if you're interested in hearing you know stories from hospice is kind of my my blog uh, nice if you're interested in, in those just Jalen Music Patreon so well Jay I can't tell you enough how thankful I am to have you all man but before yeah. I let you go Jalen we're gonna have you in this segment with another one of your songs please set the stage for us yes sir uh, so this song was probably the first one where hospice really came into the picture and it was not intentional it just kind of fell out that way but the one of the first people i was paired with in hospice this was in new jersey uh can't tell you her name because of hipaa right uh, but we will call her shruti so shruti uh, had a long interesting life she was born in southern india she was uh, a school teacher in nairobi kenya she was a mother in London, England, and then after her husband passed, she moved with her son to the U.S., and I met her in Jersey, which is quite a state. Um, <laughs> so she had a lot of interest through our life. She had always, um, she always had a love of the royal family, so she could tell you all about Prince Harry and, you know, the sexy part of it, but then she could also tell you about, like, three centuries ago where incest happened right this lineage yeah uh, she also loved Kenyan fables she had self-published her own book of, of Kenyan stories in English while mm -hmm. she was a full-time mom so right. she, she was you know amazing woman right uh, but the thing that struck me in a lot of our conversations was wherever she was in the world she always had a, a garden and she always mm -hmm. took care of this garden and right. in her last um, in her last months she no longer had the chance to do that just because of the way this facility was set up, mm. which is which is kind of ironic because we're in the garden state, but there's you know, right. no no garden to be found. Right. And so I had written a song about that garden for her, and I remember uh, the last time I saw her, I sat with her and I told her, hey, I'm, I'm heading to Nashville to record this song, and I hadn't played it for her yet because I figured I'd be back and I'd have a more polished version to show her. Uh, but that visit was pretty different, and instead of, usually she was very talkative. Instead of talking, though, we kind of sat there and um, held hands, and I remember at one point I started crying, and right. she was crying, and it was just a really special moment. And when I was in Nashville the next week, uh, the morning I was recording the song, I actually got an email that she had passed that morning. Mm. And so it just kind of added a whole new dimension of meaning to the song for me. And so I try to play this one when All I right. can. All right, man. So this is called Garden, and this is for... Truthy, which is not her real name. All right. It takes a couple seconds for her to shake off the medicine, a couple seconds more to know it's me. Takes a couple minutes until we're right back in it, right where we left off the other week. Her body is a frame with the skin all stretched and stained, and 
faded crown of gray caught in your hair Should be on a throne, not in this God-forsaken home Where they dope her up to keep her pushing air And she says, I'm not scared to die I'll look my maker in the eye in his gaze I hope that I find peace But now that this ship comes in I've just one prayer left on my lips Lord, take me kindly if you please Takes a couple hours for she's tired of your flowers. They remind her of the garden that she can't grow. For it's freedom she's missing, just to make her own decisions. Keep living how she's living till she goes. Her body is a frame with. The skin all stretched and stained And she wears that crown of gray Just like a queen She should be on a throne Not in this God-forsaken home Where the medicine's becoming the disease but She says I'm not scared to die I'm scared that I I lose my mind End up like a woman down the hall How she screamed When her time had come God knows she's not the only one So Lord, take her kindly when she calls Cause I am standing in her garden There is bound to be a harvest And the season will end She says don't be scared to die I'll tell you now you'll lose that fight Just let it be a lamp to help you see All the time that we have today so much for coming on this show man appreciate it thank you for having me Cliff. god bless you brother kind citizens we'll take a break now and cleanse our palate with Shanice Green's something's got a hold on me
night, babe, I can't get no sleep I try to close my eyes, oh, it won't let me be When you're not in my bed, babe, you're showing my head What you're doing to me Oh, it seems like, babe, here lately Something's got a hold on me Mind has started telling me that this ain't how it's supposed to be But every time I try to leave, like something's got a hold on me I can't sleep at night, I can't eat a bite Every time I try, I break down and cry Seems like, babe, here lately, something's got a hold on me Oh, it seems like, babe, here lately, something's got a hold on me. Now I pack my bags to leave, not coming back, you see. One foot out the door, baby, but something's got a hold on me. Not in my bed, baby, showing my head what you're doing to me. Oh, it seems like, babe, here lately, something's got a hold on me. Your vocals warmed up yet? Yeah. Say this. Say it. Mm-hmm. Welcome, the sensation, the legend that we know as John Hart. How are you, boss? I'm good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here, man. Are you living your best life? I'm trying to. It's, it's day it's day to day sometimes, but I'm trying to. Yeah, at least you're alive, right? Yeah, we breathing. That's right. Amen now, to that. You too, sir, are a songwriter and musician, correct? I am. Yeah. And you're about to bring us a song, correct? Two, actually, one in the beginning, one at the end, right? That's right. All right, now the one you're about to play for us, tell us what inspired it, what it's called, and then hit us with it. Yeah, um, so this song is called Watchback, um, and I actually wrote this, so I, I live in Nashville now, but um, I lived in Chattanooga for about 15 months before I moved to Nashville, and I wrote this song kind of on the tail end of living here. Um, I remember exactly where I was uh, when I wrote it. I was at a friend of mine's house, and it was kind of during this three-month period uh, where I didn't have anywhere to live. So I, I'd been here for a while, and then my roommate um, and, and close friend uh, got married. And so I was kind of, at that point, heading to Nashville, but not quite ready to, to move there yet. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take 
like three months, and it, this was in like end of September in I think twenty seventeen. Right. And so Christmas holidays and stuff were coming up, so I was like, I'm just gonna go on the road and kind of do some backpacking. I was I was writing for some people at the time, so I could work remote, and then I'll just go home for like December January, stay with my folks, and then move to Nashville. So I had this like three month interim period there. Uh, and I was like really excited about it at the time. And then about a month into it, I was like, man, this is not as cool as I thought it was going to be. Right. And so it was the, the songs about the tension between freedom or this like idea of freedom and like lack of being tied to anything, um, and security, um, where, you know, like there's always been a part of like really being tied down somewhere or, or having this, um, element of security in my life that's, that I've kind of been afraid of. Uh huh. And so I've leaned towards freedom, and then when I kind of went all the way in that direction, I realized that like having somewhere to kind of call home is a is a good thing. Right. Um, so yeah, this song's called Watch Back.
John Hart, that was inspired, young man. Thank you. It is. I mean, I said it before we were on the, on the air, and I've said it many times. I feel like watching people play music is, is, is like watching a magic trick happen. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about yourself, man. What, what, what you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm doing it. I, you know, I <laughs> Good answer. I'm trying. The best to, answer. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm at a point in my life where those questions start to take a little more shape. Yeah. Um, and so it's not kind of like a flippant right. decision anymore. And so I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm doing it and I, I really enjoy what I'm doing and mm-hmm. um, excited just kind of, uh, you know, not a flippant decision, but still kind of in one of those places where I'm just excited to see what happens. Right. Um, yeah. And there's been a lot of hard work on your end to get to this point, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's 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 hard work, but it's not. I've said this before. Um, I had a song that I put out called called "Quitting You." Um, that's on the the EP, and that was a single I put out a few months ago. And I, I've said this before when I've played this song at shows, where like it's it's hard work, but it's not in like this masochistic kind of sense. Because I sometimes I hear artists, and this is not you know to throw shade at anybody else, but I hear artists and they're like, oh, man, you know, I'm just, I'm sacrificing so much and it's just so hard. And it's like, man, I love playing music. Right. I love writing music. I love making music. I love playing shows. And so, like, there is an element of sacrifice for sure. I mean, right. I think well, like everybody else would love to. Worth having that does, you know? Yeah. Make a little more money or, like, not be gone on the road half the year, it feels like. But, like, I, so there's hard work in that aspect, but, like, I really enjoy it. So. And, and and that's what I mean. It's it's the love of the game that made you want to become a full time musician, correct? Hundred percent. Now, what else went into that decision? Because that's a big leap, and you're making it happen, yeah. you know. And that's I think that's a a lot of folks that want to get into any kind of art have the what I call the B disease, where they they have the A that they want to do it, and then the C they're gonna get rich doing their art, but the B is missing. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so, so what's what's your equation? What worked out for you, man? Okay, so if love's the first part of it, I'd say fear's the other part of it. Yeah. Bravo, poet and philosopher, you are, sir. You know, <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think I just get lucky sometimes. When stuff <laughs> comes out of my mouth. I'm like, oh. Right? Didn't <laughs> um, no one offended? All right. Yeah. No, I mean, I do. I think fear is a big part of it. I, I had this thought when I was probably 13 or 14, where around that time people start talking about they kind of start putting college and stuff into your ear, which is a great thing. Um, but even at that time, I was like, man, like 
what what always scared me was to like wake up at 22 years old like right on the the tail end of college and be like man four years ago I was playing playing football and you know doing whatever I wanted to do and and, and having fun and now I'm you know married with have a kid on the way and stuff and, and feeling like life kind of comes to a to a halt which is not entirely true but I think it it can it can feel that way at least in my mind that's what I right. envisioned it to be and I I've always I, I was really late to the game on the on the music thing so I I wrote a few songs some like country songs and stuff in high school and then when I was in high school I rodeoed and went to college to do it and stuff and so like music I didn't really ever think about it like that right and I was uh working at a at a ranch in Colorado after my junior year of college and I wrote a song and I was like okay I think this is this is pretty good and I um wrote a few more my senior year of college and at that point that's when it clicked and I was like I the fear aspect came into it like I don't want to look back when I'm in my mid-30s or 40s or whatever where maybe I have more legitimate responsibility and be like why did I I've got 15 20 songs that I what if really think what if are good what yeah. if yeah dude, what reg- if aspect regrets the one thing you can't fix with therapy you right. know that, that that's <laughs> right. a wise yeah. word you got bro I'm serious man yeah. I mean, so I mean, so you, you you're living you're living music now. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and and it's it's good. You know, it's it's interesting because um, there's no like linear trajectory, right? For it. and that you know, I, like I said earlier, I live in Nashville now, and one thing that's so interesting about being in Nashville is that like you you get to see the come up of like artists or like friends or whatever, and like. A lot of times, it seems like it kind of comes out of nowhere, yeah. and it's like because there's a lot of talented people there and stuff. But it's like, and I'm not always sure what what sparks it, but like once the ball starts rolling, mm-hmm. it like really starts rolling. Yeah. And so it's it's like interesting. It's like this love affair that exists where it's like you you don't like you, it just kind of always draws you in the longer you stay with it, right? And you know, seeing other people make it, it's like yeah. Like I'm living it. It would there. There are a lot of things in my mind that I would like to happen. Right. Or that you know, if you were to give me, hey, all right, write down five goals of things that you want to play, or you know, a label deal, or something like that. But it's like in the meantime, it's like I'm still getting to live it without that. And right. So it's just yeah, about just putting my head down and just trying to keep going. Nice. Yeah. Now, tell us where you're from and how home, how place influenced your music. Yeah, um, I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. Nice. Originally, um, and I ride hard for Mississippi. <laughs> I, I love I love Mississippi, and it's uh, had just a, I mean, a, a massive impact on my music. Um, one, because I feel like I kind of grew up in, uh, not like, incredibly diverse in terms of having lots of different ethnicities necessarily mm-hmm. that I grew up around and in school and stuff, but um, definitely, like, different cultural influences. And so that, like, some of my earliest musical influence influences were, like, uh, like early Kanye and, like, mm-hmm. a lot of, like, the, the rap stuff and stuff just from going to school and... and uh, having friends that were interested in that. And so that was a lot of it. And there was something about that, the hip-hop stuff that I always remember, like, grabbed me and, like, 
did something to me. Like it made me like want to move or mm-hmm. uh, like feel a certain way. That combined with uh, also just like a lot of uh, worship, like a lot of church music and stuff that was um, that I was really always drawn to. Aside from the spiritual aspect, like the almost like um, these like melodies that would almost like kind of in, entrance me mm-hmm. in some ways, and so that um, which is which. That being from a young age is kind of what I try to do now. I tell people, like, with my music, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel necessarily. I just want to write good stuff and stuff that, like, makes me feel something, hopefully makes other people feel something. And for me, that's always been with just kind of, like, sing-songy melodies that people can relate to. So that was a big part of it. Um, When I graduated college, I taught school for two years and and coached football uh, in Mississippi as well um, and was in a – really underserved area of Mississippi and mm. so like that was like this huge kind of because before I started doing this I put out a rap album right was going to Atlanta and, and doing stuff and that's kind of where the whole thing started to take shape was I was like man I, I feel like there's just these people like inspire so much of my music like I like telling stories about stuff and about people and like that was kind of my way in a lot of ways to relate to my students and um that really started to like build this uh approach to songwriting from like a a narrative right standpoint so mississippi's had a huge huge role in inspiring my music now you've already brought up some of the people that have helped you craft your sound over the years but who are the other artists who've taken a huge role in, in shaping who you are as a musician yeah so the first one, and I will always give credit to him, is Amos Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll backtrack for a second. Um, well, I said earlier that I was late to the game on music. Mm-hmm. One one reason for that was like I felt like I just didn't fit in mm-hmm. music wise. Like when I was part of this is part of just growing up. But I but I, I still do think that this can be a barrier uh, of entry for a lot of people that want to get involved with it. Whereas like. You know, like I said, when I was uh, in high school, I was rodeoing and training horses and all that stuff. And, like, I dressed that part. And, like, everybody, uh, especially at church, um, who was playing music, like, wore a certain type of clothes and looked a certain type of way. Right. And I was just like, if this is what it, at that point in time, I was like, if this is what it takes to be a musician or an artist, like, I guess it's not me. Right. And um, felt that way for, I mean, pretty much all the way kind of through college. Um, and then I reached a point where I just didn't really care anymore. But, like, one thing that Amos Lee did for me is I listened to his stuff, and once I got past kind of the musical enthrallment of listening to him, I was like, man, you can't put him in a box. Right. Like, there's no like specific genre that he really fits into. He's got some stuff that's like ridiculously soulful. Mm-hmm. He's got some stuff that's like folky, and then he's got some stuff that is is almost a little bit like southern rock. But one thing that kind of remained, he I think he's a phenomenal lyricist. Mm-hmm. His voice is is made probably my favorite of all time. Uh, and then the melodies were just easy. There was right. just something about him that just kind of stuck with me and drew me into him. And that that's what really inspired and shaped a lot of my sound while I was like. Wait a minute! Like, what if I just start making what's going on up here, right? And not worrying about, you know, what somebody else is doing or, or falling in some genre box. So he's the. There, there's been two artists 
that have really changed the way that I thought about music. He's one of them. And then the second, which is more recent within the last couple of years, is a band called Pine Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they really changed a lot of things for me and just their whole approach to music, their approach to, I mean, how they record stuff, how they operate on social media, how they tour, that, that I was just like, same thing, you can't put them in a box, genre-wise or other. And um, it that's been on a more recent scale, like really encouraging. Right. Now, when you talk about, you know, before, I've been writing about what's in here, between your ears, you know, yeah. what you know. Um, yeah, I just yep. realized nobody can see my hands. No, 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 no. That's why I'm here. I'm like that head. bubble for the TV <laughs> with the sign language, only it's for the radio. You got me? That's right, yeah. So, um, you're talking about, you know, writing songs. What's your favorite song that you've written and why? That's a, that's a tough question. You know, I'll, I try to say this without sounding arrogant. <laughs> I, I think my approach is a little bit different in the sense of like most people I know a lot of people I know like write a bunch of songs and then kind of trim them down to only ones that they want to keep mm-hmm. I don't finish songs like unless they feel good right like there's like this and which which I actually talked about this on Instagram the other day um, like I don't know if I if I probably dropped the ball on some good ideas, but like if stuff, if something doesn't feel good when I start it, even if I like the idea, a lot of times I just scrap it right altogether. And I think that there are pros to that, yeah, and cons because I also think that it can be a little bit confining to approach it that way. But all that to say, every song that I finish, I really like. Uh-huh. I think some of them, though, I think when I finish them, it's like somebody told me one time. I guess they were talking about basketball or something. They're like, you know, sometimes the ball feels good when it's leaving the hand. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like you just kind yeah. of look at it and know. And I think that that's kind of part of it. For is it sometimes it's like favorite in some ways. Um, also, some of them just feel better than others. You know, sometimes you just finish one and it's like, yeah, like it just it just feels good. And so I think that with that, um, never again is is definitely one of them, if not my favorite. I love Planet Live. Um, I also wrote that one when I when I lived here. Um, and also that was the one that kind of, I feel like helped start to legitimize me a little yeah. bit as an artist. You know, everybody talks about, you know, uh, you, you'll hear a lot of pushback of like, you know, I don't care about numbers, I don't whatever. And it's like, but at some level, you, got to. you know, we, we live in a society that's dictated by confirmation bias. Yeah. A lot of times, and so if you see something and, and the numbers look good or the the image looks good or whatever, then you're much more likely to assume yeah. that it's good. And yeah. so, like, that helps. And that one kind of helped um, legitimize me for sure. But also, like, I just really love the song. Like, it feels good every time I play it. And um, I connect with it. It's one of my more cryptic songs probably, okay. but, like, I really connect with it on a deep personal level. So love that one. I'd, I'd, I'd say right now, never again. Now, before we have you play your second song, I want to ask you a question kind of out of left field. But, like, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? In the South. In the South? Yeah. I love Nashville. Yeah. Like, I've, you know, like I said, I've, I've worked at, I've worked out in Colorado. I, when I was teaching, I'd take a month or two at a time during the summers and go stay out west and just kind of camp and stuff. And, like, I love visiting those places. But there's something about the South that, like, just I think that the people in the community aspect you know, it's something that, like, if you don't live down here, you don't understand. Right, right. 
Also, if you talk to a lot of people, Nashville's, I don't know how much this happens here, but it definitely happens in Nashville. People just coming from all over, and a lot of them fall in love with the South. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, if I wasn't in Nashville, I'd probably be in Mississippi. Right. Uh, yeah. Right answer, by the way. Yeah, right that's answer. right. <laughs> Bravo, cousin. Bravo. Hands there. Yes. Seriously. Now, what's the second song you're going to play for us? Um, I'm gonna play never again. Good man, I was about to ask. I was gonna ask, but I didn't want to put the light on you, bro. So, um, yeah. What's the, what's the story behind it before you throw, play that on? Yeah. Um, basically, it's it's about um, just the cycle of doing things that you don't want to do mm-hmm. or that you know aren't either beneficial in the moment or particularly beneficial in the long run. Right. Um, and engaging in those behaviors and then telling yourself that's the last time you're not going to do it again and mm-hmm. then finding a way to talk yourself out of not doing it, it again, again and doing it again so um yeah um i had a lot of those times when i was here right. and when, I, when i lived here uh, in particular <clears throat> and i think some of that's just like our nature as people, and I think some of it is just part of growing up. And, right. You know, how many times do you have to hit yourself in the head with a hammer before you figure out that's what's making your head hurt? You know? <laughs> well, let's make it happen, Kevin. Yeah. This one's called Never yep. Again. One day is always tomorrow for tomorrow control so I'll wait here till I see the sunrise pay no mind to the state of my soul and never
tidal tide I can't squander the space I've been given That is ridiculously good, brother. Thank you. And John Hart, <laughs> I understand that you have a show here in Chattanooga soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell us about it. Yeah, January twenty fifth at the uh, at the Bicycle Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played like a weird amount of solo shows here in Chattanooga, and uh-huh. I'm finally bringing the band. Okay, um, it's going to start at nine. All right. And I would love to see y'all's pretty faces there. We will make that happen. Yeah. All right, man. Heck yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for having me. And we have you back on, right? Yeah, 100%. All right. And, y'all, that's it for January's Dante's Old South. Much love to our guests. Please remember Autism Speaks. God bless So Far Sounds of Atlanta, WUTC, NPR, and you. Good night. I don't want to know what you think of me. Just don't know.